Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Exodus 7. Uh, let me pray and then we'll jump right in. So, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the things that uh, you will teach us today. And, Father, we just trust you for wisdom, guidance, um, and just illumination as we dig into Exodus 7. Father, would you teach us something new? Father, would you reveal your, um, your heart for each one of us this morning? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, it's been an interesting journey with our friend um, Moses and a few other people here. And uh, last time I did soap was Exodus 4. And um, we see our friend Moses is still kind of struggling here, but I'm going to jump into verse 1 uh, through 5, and then we'll take a look at that. So then the Lord said to Moses, See, I've made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron, Aaron will be your prophet. You are to say everything I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment I will bring out my divisions my people, the Israelites, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. So a couple of interesting things here. Um, our boy Moses has been struggling with this mission since Exodus 3 about, right? So we had the burning bush experience. God's been speaking to him for four chapters going, here's what I want you to do. And every time he goes, uh, pick someone else. I can't do this. This is not for me. And uh, we notice that uh, first thing is that God's incredibly patient with Moses. You know, Moses has been whining now for some time about this mission. And God is, okay, hang on, Moses. I'm not even, even going to chastise you. I'm just going to simply restate the mission to you. Here's what I want you to do, and here's how we're going to do it. And so we have another example of the richness of God's mercy right here. Um, in verse 6, yeah, verse 6, um, Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83, and, they, and when they spoke to Pharaoh. So these dudes are not uh, spring chickens. And this is possibly another reason why Moses is complaining. But I have a little application question for us here. So um, like Moses, what is God speaking to you about or asking you to do? Um, maybe he's repeat, been repeating himself over and over like he has been to Moses here. But maybe you have selective hearing. 
or a lack of trust that possibly is a side effect of the depth of your relationship with him. So <laughs> I just said a lot there. Um, so what is God asking you to do? And why aren't you doing it? And I'm not, um, I'm speaking to myself here as well. Yeah, and what is it that's causing me to have that selective hearing? Or why is my lack of trust? What is causing my lack of trust? You know, am I full of excuses? Um, what if Pharaoh doesn't listen to me? So I don't know who your Pharaoh is or what the task is that God's calling you to do. But for each one of us, God is asking us to do something very specific. And we have a choice. Do we trust in him? You know, is God giving us the information we need, but we just lack trust? Or are we just being very selective with our hearing and just not being obedient? Okay, so second thing we notice here is in verse two. Uh, he says, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. So very powerful statement. And we go back to Exodus, Exodus 5, 2. Uh, we noticed that Pharaoh had rejected um, any direct dealing with God. In Exodus 5.2, he says, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? So Pharaoh, in some ways, is going, I reject Yahweh. I am the Lord in this country. I'm not going to listen to you at all. And so um, God says, See, I, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. So Moses would stand before Pharaoh in the place of God, not only delivering his messages, but accompanying those messages with acts of power um, that, that he would demonstrate um, authority as well through those acts and those messages. So we have an interesting point here. So most of us will not be called like Moses to deliver a message uh, or to deliver people from captivity, to do amazing signs and wonders. God could do that. But I think Moses was part of that minority that was set aside for these specific things. But we are called like Moses to be God's representatives, right? And we are representatives, kind of say that word this morning, representatives to all his people, especially those who do not have a relationship with Christ. So God's calling us out on a very specific mission, each one of us, every day. Um, Paul writes this in the New Testament. He says, uh, believers are like letters written by Jesus that the whole world reads. And specifically that in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 and 3, it says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are letters from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So, you know, like Moses, we stand before people just in a different way, uh, before people, before our peers, our families. And the question is, what testimony does the letter of our lives speak, right? People that won't look to God, look at us. They won't read the Bible, but they will read our lives, right? So what is the testimony of our lives as we speak in front of, um, you know, as we live our lives in front of people? Okay, 
So just bear that in mind that like Moses, we are all called to bring a message of hope. Okay, verse eight, uh, Exodus seven, verse eight. So Aaron's staff becomes a snake. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, uh, when Pharaoh says to you, perform a miracle, then say to Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh and it will become a snake. Um, notice how um, even Pharaoh is calling for like these signs and miracles here. He's expecting something to happen. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned, so yet gets really interesting now. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. And we'll come back to that in a second. Each one threw down his staff and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard. And we'll notice a trend here with Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. So there's a number of observations here in this passage, in this section. Um, first thing I want to talk about is we have Moses and Aaron acting in the power of God, right? They have God's power manifested in them. You know, they're listening to God. And so Pharaoh calls his, you know, all of his sidekicks, his wise men, his sorcerers, um, these Egyptian magicians. And notice how these guys are able to do similar things. And my point here is there's only two sources of power. And one is from the one true God. And the other, um, the power that these magicians and sorcerers had is demonic power, right? It is not power from God. And it's demonic power showing itself as miracles. So, you know, in today's world, we have a lot of people dabbling in things that they shouldn't be. Um, you know, the dark arts and all kinds of things. And people don't realize that there are only two sources of power. If it's not coming from God, it's coming from a demonic source. So there's a little bit of teaching there. Be very careful, especially, you know, kids like to mess around with things. You're messing with something very dangerous. Okay, so we have to recognize that these apparent miracles, these are part of Satan's arsenal. Um, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10, says the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders this, that serve the lie. So notice that Satan does have power, but his power is to serve the lie. And all the things that wickedness deceives those and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing, they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. So um, this means that miracles can prove that something is supernatural, but they cannot prove that something is true, right? So Pharaoh's way over here is a lie. It's not true. 
you know, he has his people that are operating power, but they're not operating in truth. And so their goal is to deceive Pharaoh and his people. Okay. Now, verse 12, we notice that when Aaron, so when, when, um, let me just back up a little, when the magicians, yeah, verse 12, when each one of them threw down his staff and it became a snake. So these guys were able to replicate in a lesser way some of these signs and wonders. But then it says, but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Now, in the, in the Hebrew text here, um, the word that's used for Aaron's staff is tannin, and it actually means a great serpent or dragon or even crocodile. And the symbol for Egypt at that time was a crocodile or a dragon. And God was showing his superior power um, by using a symbol that actually connected to Egypt and that symbol or you know this tannin that swallowed up the other snakes was showing that god was so much more powerful he wasn't messing around he's like i see your signs and wonders but i got you because i am the one true god and so he's god's also showing that um you know egypt might be a mighty nation but i the one true god am actually mightier and i'm the true god and all-powerful so um, by showing God's superior power regarding a symbol of Egypt, uh, it was a clear message to Pharaoh and everyone else. Um, but Pharaoh ignored that message and his heart was hardened. And here we see this, this um, trend of Pharaoh who's hardening his heart. Um, verse 14. Let me just go back to 13. I have so many devices open right here. So now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he commanded them to bring, where am I? I'm in the wrong chapter here. Let me get back to seven. Okay. Okay, yet Pharaoh's heart became hard and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. So now we get into the plagues. So the first plague being the plague of blood. So verse 14, uh, then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. Okay, he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile and take in your hand the staff that has changed into a snake. So here we have this visual representation, then go to him, but also take the staff with you that he saw last time with my last sign. Then say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die. The river will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Verse 19. 
And I'm going to come back to that in a second. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, and they will turn to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. So nobody's going to be spared from this one. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord commanded, and he raised his staff in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and struck the water of the Nile, and all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the, in the Nile died, and the river smelled so bad that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. Okay. So, first of all, we see God's power here, right? He goes, do what I tell you, and then the river's going to turn to blood. In fact, not only the river, the fish are going to die, and the river's going to smell, uh, and every other container of water is going to turn to blood as well. So God shows the, the breadth of what he can do um, through the impact of this. Um, so this is the first of the nine plagues, right? The tenth one is the slaying of the firstborn, which that's in a class by itself. But these first nine um, plagues are grouped together in threes. So let me get back to my notes here. Okay, I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to read a little further. And then we'll come back, break this down a little more. Um, 22. But the Egyptian magicians, so yeah, we see these masters of the dark arts again, did the same things by their secret arts, uh, demonic power. And Pharaoh's heart became hard, hard, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. Now, clearly, uh, because of Satan's influence here, um, Pharaoh is just hardening his heart. He is not. He's hot, He's not in a position where he can respond to what God is saying. Instead, he went into his palace. So he runs away, and did not take this even to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. So, a lot of things to notice here. The first of all, God uses blood right and we know that from early days in genesis because of our sin problem um, we need sacrifices for atonement of sin and god is saying well i'm going to use blood here to demonstrate to you that i'm still in charge i'm in control and possibly a representation of what's coming right in the killing of the firstborn later on so the significance of blood is is pretty big over here but then there's a couple of other things that I found really interesting. So these Egyptian magicians were able to create the same problem, right? They couldn't fix the water. They could only create the same issue. So their power was limited, right? So um, if they really had power, they could have turned the bloody river clean again, but they didn't right? Because God was demonstrating his power. So these guys could only do the same, create the same problem. Um, so I'm going to read this statement. If the magicians of Egypt really wanted to do a miracle, they would have turned the bloody river clean again. 
they didn't because it seems that Satan cannot perform a constructive cleansing miracle. And this is true. He can bring supernatural destruction, but not goodness. And all they could do is make more bloody water. So it's almost funny to me that Pharaoh is listening to these jokers who have power, but really nothing that can help them. So here's a, here's a little question for us, application question. What so Pharaoh is under the lies of the enemy. His heart is hardened. He's been deceived, and honestly, he's just been um, so closed off, and his spiritual eyes are not open. And so we have to ask ourselves, or really, after we have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what deception is Satan trying to use against every one of us. What are the distractions that he's trying to use um, to stop us from experiencing God's truth and the fullness of God's power in our lives? So, you know, take a moment today or sometime and go, you know, what is my, what is my bloody river? You know, what is Satan using to distract me? What is the lies that he's using to possibly harden my heart or someone else's heart? Now, So if we look at, so this is the first, let me just check something here. So okay, so really this is the, the first of a series of plagues. And in chapter seven, we have this major one of the river um, turning to blood. And then there's a mention in verse 25 of the plague of frogs which says seven days after the Lord, seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. So one of the things we'll notice here is the timing. So I was doing a little research on this to see how long this period of plagues took. And you can imagine um, dead fish after seven days are, are really going to stink, <laughs> you know? So yeah, and somebody just posted there's that magic number seven, right? God likes that number. And if you go into the next couple of chapters and you look ahead, um, you know, if you look at the timing of between things, we're talking about at least a month, but probably much longer than that, possibly up to two months that the Pharaoh and the Egyptians were experiencing these plagues. I mean, this must have been a horrible time of going through all of these things especially this first one, which affects water, which is literally the thing that everyone needs to survive, right? So the Egyptians, their power came from the access to the Nile, right? Which was kind of the source of a lot of things they were doing. So by cutting that off, God's going, listen, you know, you guys think you're great and powerful, but I can change that in a second and bring you down to earth. So, a um, few other notes on the plagues here. So we'll notice that God possibly used, through his supernatural power, he used um, natural mechanisms to accomplish these plagues, right? Like the water turning to blood. We don't know how he did that. Um, plagues of frogs. But the timing and the character of the plague 
plagues come from God's hand alone, right? Now, it's, it's important to understand that these literal plagues, um, every one of them had a greater, meaning, a greater meaning than the event itself. So um, every one of these plagues was basically showing Pharaoh that God was greater than something that Pharaoh, that Egypt stood for. So, for example, um, each one of these plagues confronts a prized Egyptian deity. So, for example, they worship the Nile. God goes, I see your idol. I'm taking it out. So each one of them confronts a deity. Um, not only did they bring punishment against Egypt, but the plagues also answered Pharaoh's original question, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. And the plagues show that the Lord is Lord God is greater than any of these deities of Egypt. So yeah, he's showing who's boss. Um, so the first plague is directed against the Egyptian river deities of the idols. The Nile was, was literally worshiped as a God by the Egyptians. And the Lord God shows that he has complete power over the, the Nile. He's not some river God, some mamby-pamby little God. This is the true God of gods. So um, can I summarize a little bit here? So the first question, application question is, you know, like Moses, we have a message for God's people. And as Paul said, our lives are a letter to his people. And what are people reading in our lives? So in the book of our lives, how are we representing God today, this morning to his people? What is God asking you to do? Um, do we have selective hearing? Are we rejecting God's call and instructions on our lives? And what's causing that? And, you know, like Pharaoh, we have to ask ourselves, um, what things what things are deceiving us from hearing God's message, hearing God's call in our lives? So let's not be deceived, but let's remember that we serve a God of power, right? A God who turns uh, rivers into blood. A God who says, I will be with you. I will bring you out of Egypt. I don't know what your Egypt is, but God's ready to do that, right? And Hopefully, he doesn't have to use 10 plagues to get you out of the thing that he wants to get you out of. But God is there, and God is powerful, and he is saying, I'm still with you, and you are still my people. Um, as I declared over Abram and Isaac and Israelites thousands of years ago, God is calling us back into relationship with him daily. And um, will we listen to his voice? Will we recognize the Holy Spirit in our lives, and will we be that letter to his people at, that Paul writes about? So I just want to encourage you today, you know, don't be like Moses. <laughs> Let's listen to God's calling. Um, you know, who is who's the Aaron that God's put in your life? Who does God have to help you and assist you? You know, we're not called to do life alone. And um, as our brother Mike was saying earlier, there's all these opportunities, right? To enter into worship, to enter into God's presence, to grow and to um, allow iron to sharpen iron 
even if it's on a mechanical bull this evening, Claudette, I'm, I'm got a front row ticket for that. But um, so I want to just encourage everyone. Hey, I'm going to pray for us and uh, we'll go from there. So, Father, we just thank you that you are God of power, that you are the one true God, that um, even Pharaoh and his magicians could not um outdo you father you are incredible you are awesome your power is amazing and you can do anything in our lives father we pray that we would be good messengers that we would hear your call that we would um be your hands and feet to your people that as people would look at us they would not um see us but they would see you and where you are so father would we live lives that demonstrate your love your goodness your power father we pray that you would allow us to um, see the lies of the enemy that we would not be deceived father but we would see you the one true god and father we pray that you continue to work in our lives that you would call out the things that we need to work on father that you would raise us up to follow your call to obey your tasks um to literally save lives by the lives we live so father we thank you for who you are we thank you that you are the one true powerful god and father we pray that um, we would be receptive to your holy spirit holy spirit we pray that you would just um, fill us even now that you would give us power to discern um, your ways because your ways are better but father we love you we praise you we worship you and we pray this all in jesus name Amen. Oh, thanks, everyone. Um, that was Exodus 7, and I'll see you next week sometime on soap. So have a great day, guys.